to emotional intelligence, it helps us to understand what other people are thinking, maybe a little more. But then relational intelligence is the next step. You can understand them and you can take action and take actions that will be received and understood by both parties because you better understand the way that, that you're wired. Welcome to the Executive Leadership Podcast. On today's episode, we have Kurt Baer. He is founder of the Loco Think Tank here in Northern Colorado, where I reside currently. And so we talk about the power of relational intelligence. Um, so Kurt is a real champion of the Halos relational intelligence model. So he's going to unpack that a little bit and what that means for you. Not only that, but Kurt is going to go through his story, his entrepreneurial journey, and the things that he's learned throughout um, his entrepreneurial journey, uh, his business that he has now, Loco Think Tank, and uh, also his podcast that he has called the Loco Experience Podcast. So you're in store for an awesome interview. Really hope that you enjoy this interview with Kurt Baer. Well, Kurt, uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, I'm nice to have, nice to be here with you. Yeah, it's been uh, great knowing you for the last few months, getting introduced through our uh, mutual friend, Wade. Um, so really looking forward to our introducing you to our listeners and and uh, getting to know you a bit more. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm always honored to to be found worthy of a conversation like this. Yeah. So um, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, and then um, we'll go a little bit after that into um, the business that you have. Sure. Um, who I am? Well, I'm Kurt Bear. And uh, I was uh, born and raised in central North Dakota, graduated with a class of five. And a defining moment is my father starting his farm when I was in first grade, uh, that by the time I was out of high school, uh, he could survive on just the farm. He was able to quit his motorcycle mechanic job, but he, he grew a farm evenings and weekends all through my growing up years. And that really inspired me as I kind of saw the American dream in that starting something. And uh, that got me into a life of banking. And banking took me to a lot of places, mostly still around northern Colorado, and eventually uh, took up with a, a restaurant concept uh, that I wanted to launch. And I left banking to try to start Bears Backyard Bistro, uh, which never came to pass, but did become a food trailer business, a mobile food business. And from the ashes of a few failed businesses, arose my current employee, which is Loco Think Tank. And that's been my, uh, it'll be 10 years old this February and kind of a, a twisting, turning road that brought me to found this uh, kind of local community focused peer advisory organization. Yeah. So uh, actually, I actually didn't know it was uh, 10 years since you started this. Um, so tell us a little bit about that journey. What kind of led you to want to start your own uh, company or organization? A local think tank. Well, you know, that a dad who started something like that entrepreneurial spirit, I thought I would do banking until I found a good idea and saved up some money. Um, you know, turns out the, the restaurant business was neither a good idea, nor did it allow me to save money. But in my time as a small business banker, I had become aware of peer advisory as an industry. Um, I had been approached, I was the acting president of a bank for a season and had been approached by Vistage, which is kind of the the 800 pound gorilla in that industry. Um, and they eventually became a member of and just came to know that a lot of my best clients as small business owners had this, this peer advisory element in their lives. And so I wanted that for me as I was transitioning from 
behind the desk banker to entrepreneur, I wanted to be around other for real business operators. You know, I could bring my banking knowledge and they could bring their knowledge of sales and marketing and hiring and all the things that the many hats that go with being a business owner. And uh, so that was the motivation, if you will. I wanted that thing that others had, but I couldn't afford it. I didn't even have a business yet. I was working on it. And so I created something that I could be a part of, which was local think tank. Yeah. Awesome. And then, you know, a lot of people, it's, it seems that's the, the, the thing now nowadays is like people want to start their own business, do their own thing, have control of their time and think it's an easy journey, but it's, it's really not. So what were some of the, the challenges that you faced early on and probably still face today, um, uh, owning your own business? Well, I mean, local think tank, it was a, it was a side business even at the time. So I was a member of local think tank while I was trying to put my restaurant together. Eventually my group helped me realize that wasn't going to happen. Encouraged me to put a, a mobile food business together, Bears Backyard Bistro. And so I was operating this mobile food business and on the buy and buy running into all these business owners and bringing them into a local think tank chapter. So we're a membership organization the model is basically I find a, a high achieving business veteran that is a facilitator that acts as a facilitator. And then myself and, and now my team find all the smart, upwardly mobile, small business operators and, and key leaders and put them into the right chapter and let those facilitators kind of run the model. Uh, we train them and and just kind of set them out. And it's kind of a distributed accelerator, I'd like to say. So a, a little club that they stay together and as iron sharpens iron and whatever. So hard spots, you know, the food business nearly drove me crazy. It nearly drove me divorced. It nearly drove me broke. Um, it was just a, a relentlessly difficult business, you know, at a very small scale. It turned out I could only do maybe a hundred, hundred and maybe 50,000 in revenues a year, which by the time you pay staff and foods and stuff, and so <laughs> I, I I asked my group if I should add another trailer to my mobile food business so I could get sustainable. And they unanimously virtually said, no, you should park that trailer in your backyard and you should go get a job and get a job that's flexible enough that you can work on local think tank because it's mm -hmm. clearly your passion and it's useful and it's going to be more fitting for the who that you are. So, you know, a few years in, I had three chapters of Loco Think Tank. I was selling investments and insurance for Thrivent Financial, which was that flexible job that kept me out in the community. And eventually I was kind of not succeeding at both. <laughs> like they both divided my attentions and though both were kind of growing, they were both kind of not. And eventually one of my longtime friends and, and now member said, you know, which, which one thing are you going to pursue? And, uh, you know, that started a slow upward trend back out of poverty into the lower middle class. And now we're into the middle, middle class, I suppose, my wife and I. And she got a great job along the way that, that more than doubled her income and gave us health benefits. And that allowed me to kind of eventually give up that have a job plus grow loco think tank on the side and and really start to put some meat to it. So. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, going into the journey of entrepreneurship is definitely definitely not easy, but you, it also gives you um, some freedom. So what are some of the freedoms that you say you've gained through mm. um, pursuing this venture and owning your own business? Yeah, I mean, gosh, one of the 
one of the key things is just ownership of your time. And yeah. I certainly put in more than 40 hours a week, but you know, those hours sometimes include, you know, I, I write a blog every month of four to 6,000 words and it's very, I don't know, relaxing and, and, and it does good things for my psyche to, to pound out a, but if I was a banker, you know, that would be done on my time. Yeah. But here, because it's it's work for local. So the, the work that I do is very fulfilling because, you know, I'm helping people on a regular basis. I, you know, I do have to tell people no sometimes, just like when I was a banker. Um, but I know that, you know, I can control that destiny that I have. And, you know, just for me, the the freedom to be creative in place, you know, if I said I wanted to start a podcast when I was working at the bank, that'd have been like, no, but <laughs> I'm the decider, you know. So we're we're three years into the Loco Experience podcast now, and uh, uh, check out Cameron's episode, episode one thirty six or something like that. Oh, I don't know, yeah. something like that. <laughs> so anyway, um, so yeah, all that freedom, you know. My wife and I travel. Uh, we do a lot of times. We go like we'll go to Steamboat for a long weekend. And we'll work until noon or one and then go travel around and look at the fall colors and, and stay at a bed and breakfast or similar things like that. Like those things, because we don't have any children and we have remote-ish jobs, uh, it's just kind of a, if we had more money, we'd have a, a lot of freedom, but we don't yet have <laughs> that much money. Yeah, that's one of the things, because I recently stepped into kind of the entrepreneurship world myself mm -hmm. and- mm -hmm. I didn't realize I would be spending more hours <laughs> working on it than I was previously with the typical nine to five. But the time that you're putting into it, you get to choose what you are working on and you're mm -hmm. working on something that you're really passionate about. Like you mentioned, podcasts or blogs, adding value and contributing to something that you, you really genuinely enjoy doing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I I'm, I'm, pleased to be here, you know, and I wouldn't, despite, you know, still, you know, my salary is still only about two thirds what it was when I left banking 10 years ago. <laughs> and so, you know, from a pure financial planning standpoint, it's, I, I'm going to have to make it more successful still in the next 10 years uh, to, to, to cross that path with where I would have retired otherwise, but I can't think that I've ever had more fun than these last 10. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Do you think now is a good point to transition into the uh, relational uh, intelligence? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Let's transition into that then. Okay. Uh, and you could just, uh, you know, talk to me about, uh, you know, we when in our last conversation something like that, and I can set it up yeah. from there. Pretty good. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, Kurt. So you know, uh, previously when when we actually got uh, introduced to each other. Um, we talked about um, one of these principles that you introduced to me, and I never heard about this called the Hallows Relational Intelligence. I think it was, if I yeah, yeah. correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you you've really adopted this as a part of local think tank. So can you talk about and unpack what this all is and sure. how you found it and why you incorporated it as a part of your your um, business ideologies? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well. You know, through Loco Think Tank over over the years of building that, one of the things that I really celebrated is that I was building diverse chapters, uh, that I was the mixologist. I, I had an understanding of who would fit well with who. I'm trying to get financial smart people along with human resources smart people along with 
you know, the visionary, the engineer, the process person, the documentarian, and there's all these different kinds of personalities and, and types. And, and I was always fascinated by that and had studied some things like disc and strengths finders and Myers-Briggs and, and different things. But I was searching for a system to kind of quantify that I was in fact building diverse groups of thinkers, right? In these local think tank chapters. And uh, along the by and by, one of my facilitators was actually here in Northern Colorado because of uh, a connection from Brazil to the founder of, of Halos Relational Intelligence. Her husband had spent a season of unemployment, uh, asked if the founder would meet with him and and eventually plugged him into JBS, which caused them to move. So I, Bettina introduced me to uh, Marco Antonio, and uh, he is the founder of Halos Relational Intelligence, and he's the uh, founder also of the, the Coaching Society Federation in Brazil. So he's met with you know, hundreds and hundreds of CEOs across Brazil, Took his, got his doctorate at University of Manchester in England, and developed this platform that to me was more intuitive, simpler, easier, and, and frankly, more effective than anything I'd seen before. And so we we studied it as a team, um, just because I've always wanted to to work these different understandings into team environments. We'd take another test, and probably the tipping factor, uh, Deb Piles has been on my team for about four years now, and she was actually DISC certified back in the day. She's been through all these different tests and different things, and she's fairly cynical about most of it. And after the Hallows training, Debbie said, you know, this is actually pretty good. Like I could understand this better and it makes more sense to me. And, and the, the theory, if there's a base concept is that we can go from logical intelligence, you know, the, the, the thinking the way computers think to emotional intelligence, it helps us to understand what other people are thinking maybe a little more, but then relational intelligence is the next step. You can understand them and you can take action and take actions that'll be received and understood by both parties because you better understand the way that, that you're wired. And uh, so that was what led into our our investigation, if you will, of Hallows. I see. And um, like, how does this differentiate with the other um, styles? Styles or platforms or platform. whatever. Yeah, yeah. What what makes this unique? Well, one thing is, is they they speak to the essence rather than the personality. Uh, mm -hmm. So they, they're speaking more of like an essential self than a developed self. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a developed element, but it's more at the core of you. When you came out of your, uh, out of your mama's belly, how were you formed and, and, and what's happened since then? But what's that essential creature uh, in some ways? And, and there's, there's five types. Uh, and then each person has, two types kind of in a yin and a yang so that we self um, improve because we can see in stereo instead of just through one tube, we can see from two different angles. So those two types, I'm a, I'm a white green, a white has all the ideas and a, a green loves all the people. Um, and so those two types of me combine to create and sharpen each other eventually to form something that's called loco local community think tank. Right. Yeah. So even my business name is basically hankers back to the white and the green are my essential types mm, that's pretty neat so how, how did you like incorporate this within the dna of local think tank 
Yeah, we use it. Um, I've given now uh, eight different workshops for our chapters, or not, nine actually, uh, as of last month. And so help our members develop a common language, um, help them, because some of them have studied discs or strengths finders or different different things, right? But this, nobody has studied Hallows. We're like the one of the earliest organizations in the United States. Uh, Hallows is kind of all around South America and Europe. So that was one reason to choose it, is that we'd have a common language that nobody else was already adept in. Um, and then so we do that, and then we do workshops with our members and their teams. Next week, I've I've got a, a workshop with a 15-member leadership team of a uh, steel roofing company that is a member of one of our chapters. Um, and so we give them both the initial base and the platform which which they can kind of continue learning and developing. There's other modules that we'll be incorporating into um, our Hallows training over time. Uh, myself and my team have done 24-hour certification uh, to kind of get where we can deliver kind of the the base platform, if you will, but we're going to look into some more training uh, this spring so we can kind of take next steps and, and bring some more, uh, no, just sessions, if you will, focused specifically on conflicts, focused on leadership development, uh, things like that. Yeah, I had a question on that. Um, how can Halos um, really help elevate both um a person's leadership and the way they lead teams well i think first through understanding um one thing i say about local think tank is that you can understand yourself better through the eyes of others mm -hmm. um in that that food trailer story i was sharing earlier you know my fellow members basically said you know kurt you don't even really want to be successful at growing this food business because you're not really wired to be a food business guy. You're, you're more a leader than a manager. And like, if you are successful, you'll be trapped by that world that you create. Um, and so they could see that. Whereas I was focused on not failing at the task at hand. Right. And so, so there's some of that element of just um, increased understanding. And, and it is again, through the eyes of others here is through Hallows and, and self-examination. Um, I think the other thing is just appreciation for the diversity of people. Like a lot of times, so the, the orange type in Hallows is the achiever entrepreneur. Um, I suspect that almost every Olympian is an orange type. Um, about 70%, 80% actually of our facilitators have at least one of their two essential types as an orange. Mm -hmm. So the, so they're very self-motivated and driven. And even for them to understand that not everybody has that same internal motivation as they do and may need to re require other um, motivational factors. You know, for a green type like me, I'm not motivated by winning so much as I am by helping. Um, and so for me, helping is winning. And so it's going to take a little different element. Um, so that's probably the main, main way I would say is just that, that self-awareness and others awareness part. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Uh, where, where can people find out more about this concept and learn more about this? You know, our website uh, at locothinktank.com, L-O-C-O thinktank.com has, oh, a small page on the about us tab where I, I speak about it for five minutes and we've got kind of a summary, but really the, the 
just Halos Relational Intelligence dot uh, br. I think is the Brazilian page, but uh, if you Google that, you'll you'll find their core and they're approachable. You can contact them if you're in Europe. There's a there's a series of of other distributors, but otherwise South America and, and even in the Americas, uh, contacting uh, Marco and Guilherme, uh directly would be pretty straightforward. I think they're findable on LinkedIn as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And we'll, yeah, we'll drop some of the links in the podcast description as well. So people can reference that. Um, I thought I'd share a, a quick story about not just leadership from the top down, but leadership from the bottom up mm-hmm. that's empowered by, or maybe not at the bottom up, but the team, um, Alma, who you met when you came in for the podcast. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I got a, I got a sample here. So this is me, right? So this is the white green. Yeah. And you can see, and then this is my full spectrum. See those little tiny slices of brown and blue there. Yep. So that's my organizer planner and my integrator. So <laughs> not my strong suits here. Here's Alma. She's full of blue and brown. Those very things that I'm most lacking. She's much more balanced than me in the rest of her colors. But as we explored this and as we trained together, and, and Alma's naturally a little bit shy. She's still only 20 years old. And at the time, she was maybe only 18, probably, in her first year of working with us. And so I've always tried to encourage people to share their special talents and things. And she asked deeper questions. And she has a stronger understanding of things than most anybody should at her age and experience. But when she started putting pieces together of this hallow, she, she, and, and Deb is wired a lot like me and it was just the three of us. And there was a time when she reflected, you know, if I don't share, I'm kind of robbing the team of my talents because I see now that I actually do think differently than you guys do, you know, just through these, equivocal things and so there wasn't just an empowerment for her to share into the team but almost an obligation and if you do it right you can spur that at kind of every level of your team and to every level of sharing your best talent so it's it's not just leadership from top up it's self-leadership it's you know impacting others to your left and to your right and so it's really not uh to me most important from the top down in communications it's so everybody else can communicate and understand better yeah i think that's a really important point that you make because in leadership and i've seen this firsthand and i've tried to do this as well is in leadership we all try to do be good at everything and the reality is that that we can't is we have to lean on the people around us to be able to support and help us in the areas that we're not good at like for example with with my business partners um you know we're all not good at the same stuff we complement each other you know i'm yeah. good on the technical side you know social media podcast editing content creation and then we have travis where he's really good in like the leadership content developing that side yep. and then like steve is more he knows how to like run businesses and get sales and leads and stuff so you got to find totally. what the what complements best yeah, and if you can put people into a role where um, they can actually be successful based on on their wiring, um, you know, Alma started frankly as a as a marketing intern, and she's capable. She's thoughtful about systems. She stays organized and stuff, and she's a little bit shy. She's not as comfortable like being promoting and outland, yeah. you know. And so she's a great 
reviewer of others ideas and things like that um and she's her she's now our operations manager because she's our kind of people she's excellent but yeah. like shouting from the rooftops or you know creating a ton of content that says look at me isn't really her style mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's cool I wanted to actually uh, shift the conversation a little bit because a lot of what you've built, uh, Kurt, with Local Think Tank, it's really focused on local, the local hmm. community, engaging yeah. the local community. And it, I didn't even plan on bringing this up, but like this is something that I'm learning. And a lot of uh, just a lot of people I know don't really engage in their local community. Hmm. They what they tr try to do and we try to do this at one point, too we probably still are is we're going, we're trying to go viral, you know, on Instagram or something. Right. We're trying to get that global national reach and don't really like engage in our community. Um, so how important was it for you to, uh, sorry, what value did you find in terms of uh, engaging the community uh, around you that you're in? Oh gosh. I mean, Probably the 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 reason that Loco Think Tank could exist um, to begin with it was kind of the social capital that I had developed over years of being a banker and being a a volunteer on some nonprofit boards and different things and you know I had a I had a uh, thing that the bank sponsored called Old Town Tuesdays for years where the bank would buy beer and pizza on Tuesday evenings once a month and you know some of those people that came to that those years ago became my first members at loco think tank and so it's just all those little things of building connections and doing things for people to help them connect i don't know if i got very many clients for the bank from that but it but i built network you know and built mm -hmm. connection um and so that's kind of the vibe and the tone that that loco think tank has we're we're everybody's friend kind of like the chambers were members of the chambers of commerce and they like loco think tank and feel comfortable referring us we're members at the bbb and i'm an ambassador for realities for children which is like a a children's support business network group um i'm an ambassador for the matthews house which is one of kind of our founding principles and so when you when people see you invest in local um it makes it easier for them to know that that you're doing the right things by them i guess yeah yeah does that make sense mm -hmm. yeah i found so much value especially here since moving to northern colorado it's a it's a unique community and uh, staying engaged locally is um not only helps you socially but um it helps you fr from a business perspective as well and to help be more known and and get involved and i think really getting involved in your community is the 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 is where you start right for sure. And there's certainly ways to have a very international or national business. Um, one of the reasons that, that Loco Think Tank could could uh, prosper here is we have a, a, a lot of like really smart consultants and stuff that fly all over the country to talk about certain topics and different things. You'd be one of yeah. them, right? And, and but I can hire those people uh, you know, for maybe three or four hundred dollars, five hundred dollars to be a speaker for one of my chapters or for an event mm -hmm. because they, you know, they normally charge fifteen hundred or twenty five hundred or something for such an engagement, but they all have to fly to Boston for that or whatever. Yeah. Here they can just pop over, 
be more connected to their local business community than they normally get to experience very often. But they live here in Fort Collins because it's a choice city and people want to live here in Northern Colorado, right? And so we've yeah. had an overabundance of these experts on various fields that I can bring in. That's kind of my whole business is largely um, built on honoring people for their time, but not not paying them f- full freight on their skills and talents and abilities. Uh, so like even our facilitators, they they have, you know, maybe a 15 hour a month gig managing a think tank and it pays maybe a thousand dollars for a thinker chapter, $1,200 if your group is full. So yeah. you're not getting wealthy, you know, might make 10 or $15,000 in a year. Yeah. Won't change your retirement really, but you can take the kids to the grandkids to Disneyland, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's more of that. Here's some, so an honorarium. Thanks for sharing and and not just spending all of your, your semi-retirement years on the golf course, you know, not blessing others with all these great experiences that you've had in your business. Right. Yeah. Um, so where would you say people should start in terms of getting plugged in more plugged into their community if they're not already? Hmm. You know, something that vibes for you, uh, that that notion of diversity has always been important to me. Like so Ro- Rotary is an is one of the organizations I got involved in first, and it's it's one of our seeding plants here because Rotary is full of uh right-wingers and leftists and centrists and business people and educators and young people when they do it right and older people and they all love each other and i think that's a model for any community any nation honestly is you know if we're going to have a fabric knitted of so many different kinds of threads we we have to be secure in that um so i love rotary um nonprofit service serving on a board serving in a community on a nonprofit basis is great um obviously a, a good church <laughs> uh bible study fellowship is an amazing way to build connections because it's a non-denominational study where people you know they they put baptists and catholics and presbyterians all together in one room and even in that element of diversity all united in christ but divergent in dogma i suppose mm-hmm. uh but they don't allow it in their setting and so you know for christians i would definitely say that bible study fellowship that's that's who taught me how to facilitate uh i was offered to become a discussion leader way back in, early in my walk and i was like i don't know anything about the bible and they're like well you don't yeah. have to we'll teach you how to facilitate that's a, a skill of its own mm-hmm. so I, I think also what you've done kurt and um you know, I'm just realizing this, you know, there's a lot of fears of really putting yourself out there, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's through your podcast or your business or just your involvement in the community. And I think um, this new generation coming in, they're a bit fearful of of putting themselves out there. You know, what are people going to think of me? Why should I start Mm -hmm. a podcast? Why should I start my own business? Why, why can't I just cruise in life and just do, you know, the traditional nine to five route? Um, how how can someone get over that in terms of like putting themselves out there? Mm. You know, I think one of the reasons I do the podcast that I do is to try to inspire people that um they can do it. You know, that by meeting these founders of, of large organizations and CEOs and things, they'll realize that they too put their pants on one leg at a time. You know, they too were had failures. They too had moments where they didn't feel worthy to to take this leap 
Um, so that's one. Be, be a, a student of life. You know, there's 50,000 business podcasts out there in the world or more probably. <laughs> yeah. Find a few that you really like. You know, I think that's important. And and don't just do that. I think being a one thing about being an entrepreneur, like this world is a specializing world today. Like employers want you to get better and better and better at this one thing. And that can be okay, but it also can handicap you if if that industry or that one thing goes away. Like if you're a neon light bulb bender, well, actually it's probably back now. You could probably make a lot of money, but there was a time when the, when the neon sign industry just collapsed, right? Because they were yeah. doing all these other things instead. And so, but business leaders are rewarded by being generalists, having a, having a, a, a deep general understanding of how all these different parts of the business work, how different types of people think going back to the hallows, how different industries uh, coexist and, and bless each other and, and things like that. And so, not just business, but also being widely studied about the world, you know, developing a worldview. It's funny. We all, I was listening to a guy on the David Engel, I think, uh, talk about the brain recently. And we all basically think we've got the world pretty much figured out until we, you know, we get some new piece of information and then we digest that piece of information. And then we're like, okay, now I got it figured out. <laughs> when in reality, we're like, one percent of the way there like there's so much we absolutely don't understand at all um and so even if you don't really know much you probably think that you got it all figured out well yeah. just keep pouring pouring knowledge into that anyway you know the tv and the the x feed and especially the facebook feed or insta or msnbc like they're not gonna give you very much new knowledge that's actually useful for understanding your world it's just going to tell you what to think, not how to think. Yeah, that's so good. Um, well, awesome. Well, I think um, I think this is, was a great, great conversation. I know we touched on a variety of topics, um, but uh, yeah, I like the direction that it went. Um, how can people get plugged into your podcast if they're not here locally in Anoko? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we're we, we're everywhere podcasts are, uh, but it's just the loco experience um there's a a page out there online the loco experience.com mm -hmm. uh on our website or off our website kind of but um and that's a great way you can nominate interview candidates if you're in northern colorado or yourself to be an interview candidate on there and uh you know you can learn all about loco think tank on on all the socials or just on our website too that's just loco think tank.com Awesome. And then uh, who are some guests that people should uh, first uh, take a look at or give it a listen? Oh, gosh. You know, I've been getting a lot of great feedback from my conversation with Mark Torres recently. He's the CEO of Chiba Hut. Mm. And uh, one of my most listened uh, podcast guests just came through town, uh, Bob Flynn. Uh, he's a, a Canadian fellow that lives in Newfoundland now, but Every year he comes through about this time of year. We play ping pong. And and last year he uh, had a podcast. He's the founder of Green Ride. Uh, Ginger Graham was yeah. uh, is one of our most popular episodes. She's the owner of Ginger and Baker here in town. Heather Rubin, just from a few weeks ago, was a really great conversation about uh, rapid curing resin and the uh, disruptive impact she's going to make with, uh, with her company in the years ahead. Uh, she's a 
super like a 30, 32 year old, maybe CEO from like the tough part of town in Baltimore mm. and uh, just a really engaging personality that uh, is going to do great things. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so before we kind of wrap up here, uh, we do have some a uh, bit of a lightning round just Ooh. for our listeners to get to know you a little bit. Okay. Um, let's say the first question is, uh, what is it that you're reading today or how do you consume content? <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say that my my eyes have kind of faded. And so I'm I'm actually reading Traction. Uh, and I, I, I get out the reading glasses once in a while, but this is the first book I've read in a few months. Yeah. Um, and it's because my chapter is rereading that, that classic book. I'm listening all the time uh, to business content. Um, I like uh, Ed Milet. I like uh, Lex Friedman. Um, gosh, there's so many podcasts in my feed. I can't even <laughs> like think of yeah. them all right now. So I listen to a lot of podcasts lately and less books, um, but uh, I'm not proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that book Traction, isn't that like an entrepreneur book? Yeah, that's yeah the Entrepreneur's yeah, Operating I, System. I, I... Actually, yeah, someone recommended that to me. I, I I just bought it the other day. I'm still oh, good. to get here, yeah. Yeah, it's increasingly popular. About 40% of my upper-level members are now either on traction or have implemented it or they're in the process of it. Okay. And uh, so I just felt like it was – and actually, I'm, we're, my team is inclined to, to self-implement here uh, beginning early next year on the traction system as oh, well okay, cool. so cool. yeah you should definitely get fluent in it it's a it's not yeah, going away for sure um what's what's left on what is the next thing on your bucket list that you would like to do mm. you know i'd like to we want to go to brazil um my wife and i have hosted a lot of exchange students and two of them have been from brazil mm. uh last year and like 12 years ago and uh so we're thinking about in 2025 planning a big a uh, big long trip to Brazil, no, awesome. so I suppose that counts probably as uh, first next. Yeah, um, cool. Uh, dead or alive, who would you like to have lunch with? Hmm. <laughs> um. This one always gets people. <laughs> well, there's so many options. Um. <laughs> this is it's it's weird to me that that. Donald Trump came into my mind uh, just because I think it'd be fascinating. Um, Elon Musk is going to be my answer, though. I would say that would probably be fascinating uh, conversation as well. Um, among yeah. the dead folks, I would... You know, JFK... Right. Uh, is is especially if i could talk to uh, his his ghost and find out where the second shooter was maybe he knows i don't know yeah there's that one <laughs> there's that one quote that i'll never forget when i was in like high school you know ask what not your country can do for you but what you can do for your country yeah that's yeah. like very impactful and i'm been actually lately intrigued by elon musk i think he there's a biography that came out of him someone wrote a biography on him and yeah spent some time with elon musk um I hear it's been really good. I think I'm going to get my hands on on that. Book. Well, and it's just so fascinating. You know, he, Oh yeah. Literally the richest man in the world buys Twitter X in a dumb fit of, uh, philanthropy mostly, yeah. you know, and then, and then goes on this thing recently and is, you know, telling Disney to F off. 
Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> I saw that on TikTok. I was like, "Don't oh buy our God. ads." <laughs> <laughs> that 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 turned a lot of heads. So that that, that kind probably... of radical transparency is yeah. uh, an interesting place in the world. Yeah, that's why I'm looking forward to reading that bio. Um, all right, final question is: What is the best words of wisdom or advice that you've received so far? So far. You know, the one that popped to my head is is when I wrote about my blog recently. My dad uh, told me and probably stole it from somebody else along the way. But, uh, you know, sometimes you don't know what to do. Um, but the important thing is to do something. And, you know, if you find out you made a mistake, then you can you can take it back and do something else. But wow. just not doing anything or just sitting in that kind of paralysis by analysis mode is the worst place to stay, especially if you're an entrepreneur. So do something. Mm -hmm. And if you screw it up, change it. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, Kurt, it was a joy having you on the podcast, just having a conversation. Um, Wish we could have done this in the studio. That would have been nice. (laughs) But um, uh, thank you for taking the time out uh, and being, being on the podcast. Thanks for being a great young leader. Yeah. And uh, for those listening, um, if you want to connect with Local Think Tank or the podcast, all those links I've dropped it in the podcast description on whichever platform you're listening on. And um, thanks again, Kurt. Godspeed, young man. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Executive Leadership Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode with Kurt Baer and that it added value to your leadership wherever you're at. Hope you uh, had a lot of takeaways from this interview. And uh, if you want to connect with Kurt Bear, find out more about Local Think Tank, uh, check out the podcast. All the links are there in the podcast description on whichever platform that you're listening on. If you'd like to connect with us, TC Advisor Group, um, you can find out more about our services that we offer in leadership and also aviation. Uh, you can find out more at tcadvisorygroup.com and all the links are there for you on whichever platform you're listening on. Thank you so much for tuning in. And don't forget to catch us on our last episode of the year, which will come out next week, where Travis and I will be doing reflections on things that we've learned throughout the year. Feel free to take some time on your holidays as you're traveling to go and listen to some of the previous episodes. Go and listen to um, some of the episodes that we had on this year. And uh, don't forget to subscribe on whichever platform you're listening on. And uh, thank you for tuning in. Take care.